So I'm here today um, chatting to Nell from the International Justice Mission. Thanks so much for joining us, Nell. Why don't you tell us just a little bit, first of all, about yourself and then about IJM. Hi Joe. thanks so much for having me. It's lovely to be here. I'm really enjoying being able to virtually visit a whole bunch of churches um, at the moment. I'm at Nell. I work for the International Justice Mission. I've been there since January. Um, so kind of a little bit new to the job still, but loving what we do. Uh, International Justice Mission, IJM to its friends, um, is the largest anti-slavery organization in the world. So um, our main aim is to protect those living in poverty from violence. The idea behind that being that um, those who live in poverty have the laws that are there to protect them, but there isn't law enforcement. So um, in kind of in our world, if you if a burglar comes around, if you feel like you're in danger, what you do is you pick up the phone and you dial 999 and you are um, pretty much guaranteed that police will come sirens blazing to rescue you. Uh, however, 4 billion people in the world live outside of the protection of the law, which means that if someone is coming and threatening them, then they don't have a number to call. And if they do have a number to call and it's the police, then they cannot trust the police to protect them. And so one of the key ways this manifests itself is in slavery. Um, so people who are trafficked or taken um, under false pretenses through um kind of debts which um, people um, hold over them and keep them in um, places of um, oppression. So IGM works um, around the world um, to do four main things, which is rescue victims, restore survivors, um, restrain criminals and, uh, uh, and help systems um, and repair justice systems. So, so now you're talking about a worldwide problem um, can you just tell me about the scope of slavery in the world today? So kind of the estimation is that there are 40 million slaves in the world today, um, that every minute two more children are trafficked into slavery, um, that one in four of those trapped in uh, forced labour is a child. Um, and I think a, a lot of the time, people think that the slave trade ended with the end of the transatlantic slave trade when it became illegal. Think all of those kind of abolitionists and all that went on there. Um, but actually there are more slaves in the world today than there ever were in history. And um, so it is, a, it is a problem and um, it's everywhere. So um, clothes would be an obvious one. There are things that people kind of assume, clothes, chocolate, um, those kind of things, but even cosmetics, fish, food, coffee, like um, it's so difficult to have a completely clear supply chain to really know that there is no forced labour, there's no slavery. And so it is quite frankly everywhere. And there are a number of different kind of organisations doing some really great work into um, ethical supply chains and looking into those, um, but we can't ignore it. I can't not do something about this. This, this has to. This has to matter to me. So it's obviously a huge problem, and you sent us a little video to show us um, something of the scope of slavery. So this is the target establishment. First suspect, view for our victims. And remember, if there's a hazard or dangerous situation, move yourself to a position of comfort. 300 people go back to the police. 
saw about 1,200 little kids in Van Out the Bay were in fact trafficked, and they were in fact slaves. These little kids are on this boat. They are not fed. They are abused beyond imagination. We gotta touch you up. This is a girl. Whenever something like this comes, I imagine in my mind that girl is found. We have operations all over the world, rescuing people from slavery. Because today there are criminals who abuse children, sell girls. How old is she? 12. 12? How much? 30? Yeah, yeah, I'm happy. And force families into slavery. Criminals prey on the easiest target, the world's poor, because they expect no one to defend them. But today, there are thousands of people gathering to seek justice for those in slavery. We are a group of lawyers, counselors, activists, and supporters. We are called International Justice Mission. Together, we form the largest international anti-slavery organization in the world. But slavery won't come to an end until criminals know they can't get away with it. So we partner with local police to arrest and prosecute criminals. This sends a message to slave owners. We will not go away. We stay with the survivors until they are healed, until they are free. Natulungan po ako ng IJM sa pamamigitan po na sa case ko, sa pagtulong po nila na ma-overcome ko po yung, yung fear. Each year, we rescue thousands of slaves and protect millions around the world. We are transforming how justice systems protect their citizens. To those who are still enslaved, we promise to find you. We will get you home to your families so you can have the freedom you deserve. So that's a, that's a really powerful video, Nell. Can you tell me then, how did you get involved in this whole area? I think my parents would, would tell you that I always had a strong sense of justice as a child. Um, many a it's not fair tantrum, I remember. I mean, I think I was an angel, but my parents would perhaps disagree there. Um, and that sense of justice kind of followed me through life and um, spending time... Um, reading the Bible, um, spending time in scripture, reading kind of about God's heart for justice and what he says about um, his followers seeking the, um, the redemption and the justice for those who are downtrodden and those who are oppressed, to have compassion and to suffer with, that's what compassion means, to suffer with those, means that I couldn't 
ignore it. I couldn't turn away. I can't love Jesus and not love justice. Um, and that, um, that came particularly true for me when I, um, I actually found myself in a courtroom with a friend, um, a couple of years ago. Um, and they were, um, they were giving a victim impact statement and, um, to see justice done that day, um, to see justice done. Um, I still can't really think about it without crying, to be honest. Um, to see justice done is a really powerful thing to witness. And um, as I sat in that courtroom and I, and I watched this friend receive the justice, which she had longed for for years, I found myself saying to God, God, I never want to be a reason that someone else doesn't get justice. I want to fight to see people get justice. And so when I discovered what IJM do in terms of not just rescuing and restoring, but seeing justice, um, well, it was a no brainer. It, it worked. And that was, that was what really got me about it is it wasn't just some kind of, um, oh, well, we'll do what we can. Like, you know, let's, let's see what happens. Let's just rescue. It was really well thought through. It was really well, okay, we're going to do this and then we're going to do this and we're going to do it in an attitude of prayer and we're going to do it because we're Christians and we're going to do it because we know that this is what God calls us to do and we're going to do it to a really high standard of excellence and we're going to do it surrounded and soaked in prayer. And I was like, you know what? Where else am I going to be? And you've talked about God's heart for justice and reading about that in the Bible. Are there any particular kind of verses or passages in the Bible that are particularly impactful for you? Well, I mean, I kind of, every time someone asks me about what does the Bible say about justice, I'm like, well, pick a page, guys. <laughs> pick a page. Um, but for me, um, Isaiah, Isaiah 61, Isaiah 58, um, those two key passages I keep coming back to of this is the fast that I've chosen to loose the chains of injustice like I don't want your songs I don't want your um your rituals what I want is for you to seek justice and as an Anglican I'm an Anglican sorry I know you're a vineyard church <laughs> as an Anglican through and through I, I love my liturgy I love the kind of rituals of that but reading passages like that when he says in um in Amos like I don't want that what I want is is justice. I want streams of justice. And, um, I can't, I can't ignore it. If I, if I love Jesus and if I claim to be his follower and claim to be his disciple, then I have to, um, pay attention to it. But like, even you, I mean, you find yourself in the depths. I mean, you probably don't, but when one finds oneself in the depths of Leviticus, um, you, you, you see that written into God's very law, his very law, like all of that kind of very strange kind of rules and um, regulations, you find within it this kind of, well, you know, what you do is you you don't glean to the edge of your field because you leave it so that those who are struggling can come and they can take the food. And you don't, um, you don't charge interest on debts. And, you know, all of these different things are just like, written in and you're like whoa god you were really on the ball here with this and so and then as you track through scripture you find that actually all the times that god is getting cross at israel for and um, breaking the covenant is because they're not obeying the justice laws it's because they've stopped caring for the widow and the orphan and the outsider it's that that god god really you know really you know grinds his gears i can't ignore this this deep cry of God's actually 
this is about justice. This is about um, justice for the oppressed. This is about speaking up for those who cannot speak for themselves. And you've talked about the value of prayer within IJM. Um, it's certainly something that kind of drew us to you as a church because I've, I've told you this before, we've got a group who meet once a month and pray for issues of trafficking around the world and for justice. How would you talk about, you know, the, the, the importance of prayer to what you do and to IJM? The prayer is the most significant thing that we do. Um, actually, we believe that um, slavery, that violence against those in poverty is an evil. And our battle is not against flesh and blood. Um, and so what it means to go into battle in prayer means um, standing up, looking injustice full in the face and not backing down and realising and trusting that the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God who said to Moses and to Pharaoh, let my people go, the God who spoke through the prophets, the God who wrote that law that we just spoke about, the God who sent Jesus, who said, actually, actually, this is what I'm here to do, that God is the one who is fighting for us and for these, um, for those who are trapped in slavery. And so prayer matters because we can't do everything. I'm learning this the hard way. <laughs> I'm as, as kind of, as I think you, you said, like I'm a bit of a go-getter, I'm a bit of a doer. Um, like so many people like, well, let's, you know, let's go do something. And actually one of the disciplines of um, IJM across the world um, is that staff members are contracted to pray for an hour a day. So that ends up being about over 250,000 hours of prayer a year. So a quarter of a million hours of prayer a year. So that's half an hour of stillness first thing in the morning before we do anything else. Um, 9 a.m. to 9.30, we stop and we pray and we cast the weight of what we do onto God and we say, this is your weight. It might be our work that you've asked us to do, but it's your weight to bear and, and that's okay. Um, and then we have um, corporate prayer for half an hour before lunch. So the whole staff team in the UK comes together. We get prayer requests from around the world and we pray and we um and we petition God and we intercede. And so I think the thing that that I find so encouraging and still slightly baffling um, about the, the work that IGM do is that it just doesn't happen without prayer. Like there have been so many impossible situations where we've gathered as a team, we've been like, this situation is going south very fast. Let's pray. And we pray. And then the next day we hear that actually it, turned suddenly and however many children were rescued or um however many perpetrators were found and arrested and so prayer does does that marvelous thing where it reaches people and reaches situations that we cannot even with the best of intentions you can investigate and you can prosecute and you can gather evidence and you can um seek to do aftercare until you're blue in the face but if you don't have prayer then it's all in vain isn't it it's like the psalm i think psalm 127 unless the lord builds a house the builders labor on in vain um and so we pray that the lord would direct us to build the house in the way that he um he desires and the way that is after his heart and so prayer is we're nothing without your prayers without the prayers of those around the world who are interceding for us and for our work and for those that we work with i love that phrase that you use you said that it's our work but it's god's weight 
And one of the things that are, that really draws me to IJM is that you are such a people of hope. Because I think when you look at the scale of the problem that you're fighting against, it would be very easy to say, you know, as you have done, slavery touches every part of our lives. And there are so many people who are um, trapped and who are enslaved. And what can we do? And yet your explanation is that obviously we can't, but God can and we partner with him. And that is such a powerful thing. Um, And also, I find it a wonderful thing that actually we can partner from where we are with a work that's going on literally in so many places around the world. So that is really encouraging. Yeah. Yeah, we're so we're so grateful um, for your prayers, basically. And I know that um, Winchester Vineyard has been um, has been a supporters and um, prayers um, for IGM for for many years. And those prayers have made more difference than I think we will ever understand this side of eternity. And they give us hope um, as well. So thank you. And here comes a quick ad because it is a small group who meet regularly. There are others who pray at home, I know. But if you wanted to join us once a month, you'd be really welcome to on a Monday evening. And there'll be some more details coming up about that too. you've talked about some of the scope of your work all around the world can you tell us some stories about where you have seen um, God at work and, and slaves being released one of the key things that we do in the Philippines is work to prevent the online sexual exploitation of children um, so this is a horrific crime um, where perpetrators often in the western world but around the world can live stream Um, abuse footage and direct abuse footage of children Um, and so we work in the Philippines alongside the Filipino government um, to prevent this to rescue and to um, restrain the criminals so during lockdown despite the lockdown um, we have managed to support IGM Philippines has managed to support the Filipino government in 16 rescue operations um, since mid-March which has seen 57 children and vulnerable adults, um, including a three-month-old, rescued um, from online sexual exploitation. And that is thanks to the generosity, financial, and the generous prayers of our supporters. Um, another thing that we, another place that we work would be South Asia, and um, we do a lot around kind of bonded labour and forced labour in um, brick kilns um, or wood cutting farms and those kind of places. And um, late in May, so a couple of months ago now, I guess, um, IGM helped South Asian law enforcement rescue 360 people from bonded labour at a notoriously brutal brick kiln. And even better, this story, honestly, every time you think it can't get better, it does. 
This then led to the release of nearly 7,000 other migrant workers who had been trapped during the lockdown. So it became this like kind of strange domino effect and they ended up with over 7,000 people um, being released from, uh, from bonded labour. We're able to um, send them home and get them um, engaged with aftercare. Um, and another, another example would be our work in Ghana. So um, we work with, alongside Ghanaian authorities um, to um, find children who are um, trapped fishing on Lake Volta. So Volta Lake is the largest man-made lake in the world. Absolutely huge. I looked it up on a map the other day. It's like mind-bogglingly large. Um, and so we... Um, we obviously had to stop doing um, rescues during lockdown. And so we were praying so hard that, um, that those children who we knew where they were, um, but we couldn't go out and rescue them, wouldn't move. So often with as seasons change, um, the fishing industry will move, um, as you would expect. And obviously spring to summer is a season change. Um, and so we were, um, we were praying that... Um, that wouldn't happen, that they wouldn't move, that we wouldn't lose um, lose sight of these children. And we got news just um, just a few weeks back that they'd been able to rescue um, three children um, from from the lake. And um, th- two boys and a girl, um, 11, 13 and 14 years old. And so what we've seen is we've seen incredible shoots of hope um, from amongst what is quite frankly a bit of a barren land of lockdown and it's so easy to look for the despair or to see the despair and it feels like a lot of effort to hunt for hope um but when I think when you're a Christian and when you believe that God is on the move you can't help but hunt for hope because you know it's there it's like oh well I know I I know there's treasure here like I've been promised there's treasure so let's go looking it's not a futile it's not a futile mission because when you hunt for hope with Jesus, you're hand in hand with hope himself. So why wouldn't you? Um, so yeah, those are a couple of um, couple of stories of rescues, and we've had some incredible um, incredible news of rescues that we did um, did a few years ago. So um, people who um, who we who have been survivors who've tracked with us, um, who like one of them um, who we rescued um, in South Asia has just qualified as a nurse. Um, and just things like that where you, you hear it and you're like, I kind of want to cry um, because God, you're, you're, a God of, you're a God of redemption and you're a God who, where you look at a hopeless situation, anyone in their right mind would be like, now nah, mate, write it off. And God's like, hold my beer. Um, <laughs> and, and we see hope and we see redemption and we see reconciliation and we see beauty from ashes. And so I can't, I can't help but look for hope because I know that it won't disappoint me. So I would imagine that you know, bringing freedom involves lots of different people. So can you tell us a story kind of almost from start to finish about how this really works in practice? Yeah, so obviously stories, every story is different. Um, but let me tell you a story from a couple of years ago um, on Lake Volta. Um, so fishing in Ghana um, and a boy called Gideon. Um, so he was um, trafficked onto the lake. Um, he was tricked um, by someone who said that they had a um, job for him and he was forced to fish um, day and night. Um, and as you can imagine, horrific circumstances. Um, and it, until one day he, um, 
the um the son of the um the guy who was making him fish asked um Gideon to go and top up his phone and while Gideon was there he rang his aunt back home and said this is what happened help um so his aunt approached the authorities who approached IJM and um they launched a rescue operation investigation they found they found Gideon and um they uh took him off the island um where they'd found him and they rescued him but um as as he was rescued he said there's more there's more children i know i know who they are i know where they are um and so the the investigators the rescuers um they were like okay um we'll go back um but um and they realized that they basically they um needed gideon in order to be able to identify who was who and they said to gideon like is this something that you would be able to do like i i mean the bravery of of gideon astounds me every time i tell this story um and he was like yes i'll come back and so the next day he got back on this boat and drove back to the island he'd just been taken from and they rescued 12 more children and um in amongst um those children was a girl called esther um and again esther had been um tricked from the age of about it's unclear whether she was kind of between the age of four and seven but young child um again had been forced to fish to um to cook to do um a whole bunch of different things and um because of Gideon um she was rescued uh, along with 12 11 other children and then from there um Esther gets back to the um to the aftercare home they start processing doing medical shit there's more there's more children um and so they go back again and they find more children and there's just this this domino effect of one one man one young man's bravery of no there are more there are more and so it starts to happen and children start to be rescued and so from there um Gideon Esther those children will go into aftercare um they will have trauma-informed counseling and therapy and they'll be um be assessed whether they should be reintegrated into their families or whether they need to um start again somewhere else because there's there's often some kind of difficulties around um those kind of issues with um if the family were complicit in what went on in the trafficking etc it's every every story is different um and then those who um who've been found to be trafficking are um are arrested and we begin as an organization we begin to um gather evidence take it forward to trial so how could we kind of in our own homes and here in the uk get involved and support what's going on we are so grateful for the support and um, all that goes on at Winchester Vineyard and further afield to support IGM around the world. Um, we tend to um, categorise things that can be done into three main fields. So um, pray, give, act. Um, kind of do what they say on the tin, but let's go through them anyway. Um, pray. Um, as we've said, um, prayer is the most powerful weapon we have. If you can't go somewhere or change anything or give any money just just pray five minutes a day ten minutes a day whatever you can when you hear the kettle boil pray for pray for those trapped in slavery when you hear the toilet flush when you hear a siren like whatever it is that gets you reminds you to pray just just pray just petition just just get on your knees and humble yourself and ask god to move 
um, because he listens to the prayers of his people and intercession is a powerful tool. And so I ask first and foremost, if you do nothing else, would you pray for us? Um, If you want specific uh, prayer points related to IJM and the work that we do, you can sign up to receive our prayer update email, which goes out fortnightly. If you head to ijmuk.org forward slash pray, scroll to the bottom, um, you can find um, the form to sign up with that. So that would have um, praise points and answered prayer, a few pictures, and then key prayer points from each of our global regions around the world. So that's pray um, and then give. Um, If you're in a position to be able to give financially, um, obviously slavery isn't going to end itself and it costs money. Rescue operations, we estimate that um, a rescue operation costs about £5,000. So, but when I kind of say that, I think about £5,000 to rescue, I mean, our largest rescue rescued over 500 people. If you go to ijmuk.org forward slash give, um, you can become a freedom partner by giving regularly. So sign up for monthly direct debits, whether that's £2, £20, £200 a month, um, whatever you can. Um, we really appreciate you giving sacrificially to see, um, to see the end of, um, end of slavery in our lifetime. So that's give and then act um and that's doing something that's raising awareness um that is um keeping on talking about it because it's it's amazing the number of people who don't realize the extent of slavery um it means maybe hosting a prayer and worship night or organizing a panel event or an information evening maybe watching a film um or um getting involved with some of our fundraising um activities so we've got coming up um something called just ride which will be um, in september um where you pick a distance and pick an amount of time and get on your bike um and get sponsored to do that um we've also had like if you're if you're a bit more of a kind of wild card we're always game for a bit of a rogue challenge so one of our champions walked from land's end to john o'groats um, for IGM last year and another one has walked a million steps um, which has ended up around his garden I believe um, which has a slight incline and has ended up being twice going up Everest twice the equivalent of that um, so get your thinking hats on go rogue if you want um, and do something to raise awareness and potentially um, funds for IJM so yeah pray give act um check out what we're doing um if you want to become an igm champion um have a look at igmuk.org forward slash champions um whether you're a fundraising champion or a church champion or an advocacy champion and we would love to hear from you so um get on our website fill in a couple of forms and probably i or one of my wonderful colleagues will be in contact with you about it but whatever you can do we are so grateful Well, thank you so much, Nell. We really appreciate your time today. It's been great to hear um, some more about justice and IJM and what you're doing. Would you lead us now as we pray? I would love to. Thank you. Let's pray. Father God, you are good and you are kind and you are faithful and your character remains sure and certain no matter where we are and no matter what we are going through. Father, I thank you, first of all, for your character, that you are a God who loves, who seeks justice, who stands up for the oppressed, the downtrodden, that you have compassion on those who are hurting, that you suffer with them. Father, I thank you that you demonstrate that love and that compassion 
in the person of Jesus. And Father, as, as we learn more about slavery, about violence against those in poverty, God, we can look at a mountain and feel helpless. We can listen to the stats and feel hopeless and overwhelmed. Lord, the, the weight of it can bear heavy on our shoulders and we can give up. But Father, I ask, would you gift us with relentless hope? Would you teach us once again that it is your weight and that your yoke is easy and your burden is light? So Lord, would you teach us to cast our burdens and the weight of this onto you and to get on with the work to which you have called us? We spend. We just want to spend a moment just interceding for those who are trapped in unspeakable situations. Father, you, you know each one. You know their names. You know every hair on their head is numbered. You know what they are going through, what they have been through. You know their story. You know their dreams, their fears. And Father, we ask, would you be with them by your spirit? Would you bring them great comfort? Would you give them, show them a sense of who you are and your your delight in them? Father, would you bring freedom? Whether that's through miraculous means or whether that's through organisations like IGM and local government and law enforcement. Father, would would we see freedom today? Father, I thank you that you are good and that you you show us that relentless hope is possible and in fact it's desirable so god would you gift us with the gift of hope today would you teach us to pray and i pray your blessing over this church over winchester vineyard may they know your peace and your joy and your utter delight in them would you bless them beyond measure in jesus name amen Thank you, Mel. Thanks. Thank you so much.